We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. And so I was asking the Lord, you know, because we're getting ready to start 2 Timothy and we move through the Bible every once in a while between books. You know, uh, we pray about maybe doing a topical study. And I said, Lord, what would you have me to teach on in order to do my best to lead the flock into that beautiful place of having a relationship with you? And in this case, cultivating a healthy prayer life. Because if we can come to that place individually and then congregationally, God is going to do a great work. But my, my fear, my concern is that even here in Calvary Chapel Almani, that people are not really praying the way that they should. You know, I don't have the words adequate to describe the importance of prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is beautiful. Prayer is wonderful. You know, prayer is the amazing privilege we have as Christians to actually talk to God. Think about that. What a privilege. You know, prayer very well might be the most wonderful privilege we have as his people. You know, when you think of who we are and who he is, how marvelous, you know, that I, a filthy clod, can actually communicate with God. You know, it's just an amazing privilege that we have. You know, prayer is us, in a very practical way, but yet a spiritual way, taking solid, simple steps towards God, believing that He Himself will hear our cries, He will respond to our prayers. And when our prayer life is healthy, what we do is we're, we're kind of drawing near to Him, which is what we read in Hebrew, James chapter 4, look at verse 8. I just want to touch on this first part. It says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. You see, prayer brings you closer. It draws you deeper into God's presence. You know, some might say, well, wait a minute, Manny, time out. Doesn't the Bible teach that God is omnipresent, that he's everywhere at all times? Yes, but there is a difference between God's general presence and God's special presence. And what we do is when, when we're taking those simple, solid steps towards God in prayer, then we're drawing near to God, and that brings us into a different place. It brings us into the special presence of God. And Psalm 73 verse 28 says, It is good for me to draw near to God. See, we have to you know, respond to the invitation, and there needs to be that initiation on our part to be people of prayer. And then things will change. Then you will change. Then she will change. Then he will change. Then we will change. It's been said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Ian e. Bounds said that prayer can do anything that God can do. So what is your situation? What is your family situation? What is your physical situation? What is your financial situation? What is your ministry dilemma? What is going on in your life, in your heart, and around your house? I mean, what is it? Is there anything too hard for God? No. Why aren't things changing? What's happening? A lot of times it's because we're not praying the way that we should. I'm not talking about, you know, a special occasion. You know, husbands might pray, pray with their wives on a special occasion. No, husband, pray with your wife every day. That'll be a special occasion in and of itself. I'll give you three weeks, and if you don't start praying with her, in three weeks I'm going to tell her to come and talk to us, man. And she's gonna be, you're going to be in trouble with Henry. He's a big guy. <laughs> There's no excuse. There is no excuse for husbands not praying with their wives every single day. And you may think yours is, you know, like a different situation. I want to hear it, man. What would, what would, what's it, why wouldn't you? There is no excuse for families not praying together every single day. There's no excuse. I'm not talking about just when you eat. I mean, is that all you're thankful for? Lord, thank you for this chorizo or whatever, you know. No, I mean, there's a lot more to life. 
And so, you know, I think that we need to come to that place where we can honestly say that, Lord, I, 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 I want to have a healthy prayer life. I need a tune-up. I need an overall, Lord, and help me to follow through in a practical way. Why? Because we need the power of God. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Question, is there anything too hard for me? No. There's a lot of things too hard for you. Everything's too hard for you. I have learned that even my children, whom I love so much, and who they know I love them, and I've raised them, and we've been so close all these years, they're too hard for me. I've learned that. Everything's too hard for me. But there is nothing too hard for him, right? I've learned that I'm no match for the enemy, but I've also learned and I'm convinced that he is no match for God. But I've, all, I've learned that unless I pray, that I'm walking in my own strength. And so that's where we come to. You know, the obvious answer is there's nothing too hard for God. And I know a lot of people say, well, prayer changes things, and it does, but more importantly, prayer changes people. People like you and me. And then what happens is God will use changed people to change the world, to turn the world right side up. It's all going to happen through prayer. And so, you know, it's just puzzling, man. If in prayer I draw near to God, who then draws near to me, if in prayer I talk to God, what a beautiful conversation. If in and through prayer God himself provides his omnipotent power to every relation and every situation. I mean, if it's true that in prayer, which is our greatest privilege we have as God's people on planet Earth, we come and communicate with him, then why is it that so many Christians struggle in their prayer life? And, and I think the answer is probably twofold. Number one, you don't really believe. You don't really know how important it is. You don't really know how powerful prayer is, how beautiful it is, how wonderful it is. You don't really know, that's first, and secondly, the devil does. And that's why we struggle with it, man. You know, some Christians don't really know the power of prayer, and the devil and his demons do. Remember, our spiritual enemy is working in conjunction with the world and our fallen flesh to keep us from the spiritual discipline. You know, once you just stop and you get on your knees, once you, you know, as a husband, you say, sweetheart, let's pray. And, you know, she may, like, have a heart attack real quick, but then she'll get over it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and let me, let me just say this. If your husband doesn't ask you to pray, then you as a wife, you know, um, um, don't tell him, but in a very kind way. You know, don't say like, why don't you pray with me? Don't do that. Just say, sweetheart, can we pray together? And at first, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be resistant, but don't, but be, be gracious. But somebody's got to bust the move, right? <laughs> but when you begin to pray, the devil begins to tremble, right? And that's what we got to do. You know, why is that? Well, Samuel Chadwick said the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies and prayerless work and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our human wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. Because of the fact that prayer is one of the most effective things you can engage in in life, all of our enemies unite in their attempts to keep us from praying effectively. You know, the world, they keep us busy and distracted, focused on getting things done according to their standards of their system. The flesh has a hard time sitting still, and sometimes the flesh has a hard time waking up, right? The flesh would much rather go to man than God. They'd much rather go to the phone than the throne, right? The enemy lies to us. And what does he do? He just deceives us and he plants seeds of doubt, vying to make us think that prayer doesn't really make much of a difference. And if you do pray, then God won't hear you anyways. You see, a healthy prayer life will be resisted at all fronts, but it's here 
You guys, that we need to adopt the mindset and motto of Winston Churchill, who in the midst of World War II, when things weren't looking too good, simply had this, the heart that said, never give up, never give up, never give up. And they won the war. You know, the other day I went to McDonald's. And I probably shouldn't go there, you know, but... They have a green salad. Anyways, um, I got a little minion. I got a little minion for one of the, the little boys. And when I brought it to him, he was so happy. He was so happy, right? And so he started playing with it. But then one of the other little boys saw him. And so he asked him, he said, hey, can I have one of those minions? And so the first little boy said, ask Pastor Manny, right? <laughs> And so now this second little boy has a decision to make. Will he ask? Will he ask? See, and that's the way it is with God. And, and I, I know you know, I just know that you know what's happened in the kingdom of God. I mean, have you not seen Almighty God move in the hearts of the lives of the people around you? Have you not seen people in the past or maybe read through the chronicles of the miracles in the Bible and throughout church history, how God did it for them? God changed that relation. God changed that situation. God changed that nation. Have you not read these things? And if you have and you see it and you're like, well, I want some of that. The only question is whether or not you'll come to that place of having a healthy prayer life. And it's more than being a Pharisee. It's more than just spending hours in prayer. That's part of it. We're going to talk about quality, quantity prayer. But remember, God's not going to hear your prayer unless you're right with Him. And to me, when I think of that, me praying for my wife, me praying for my kids, me praying for the ministry, different things that God has said, these are people I want you to pray for, every single overseer, this day, this, you name it. When I think of that, and then I think of praying for them, praying for my son, praying for my daughter, and I'm in sin, God can't hear my prayer, what does that do? It makes me want to get my life right with God. And so it all comes together with a healthy prayer life is a healthy Christian. And you know, you, oh God, you know, you haven't changed. We have. You know, James 5, 17 and 18 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was, he was human just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Think about that. He prayed it wouldn't rain because he wanted to fight the false gods of Baal. You know, he's declaring war in the northern kingdom. Think about that. I won't, Lord, that it won't rain. So it didn't rain for three years and six months. But then he prayed again that it would rain. And he put his head between his knees and he got down and he prayed over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until finally it rained. And then the land gave rain, the Bible says, and the earth produced its fruit. So when you look at that story, some might say, I don't get it. God did amazing things back then. You know, where's the God of Elijah? But, you know, the same God is alive and well. He's here, there, and everywhere. And the better question is, where are the Elijahs? That's got to be us. Where are the people set apart with such a heart, the holy people, the healthy prayer lives? And I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that one of the things we need to do in order to rescue the United States of America is to pray. It's been two weeks. You guys were blessed with Charlie Campbell last week. Question, though, how has your prayer life changed? Some of you here are probably doing good. I know there's some. But I know, I just know, no offense, that most of you are not. I know that. And so when you're stirred up, you know, with a, a study on prayer, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, pray, seek my face, then God says, I will, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, I'll heal the land. If we would pray and obey, God will move, God will heal. It's a great deal. Why then 
have we not prayed? If we love this country, if we love our children, if we love or care for the next generation to whom we will leave this country, then we will exhaust our God-given resources and do everything we can to do the best to you know, reroute this republic in order that we might leave behind us a land that loves the Lord. But that can never, ever, ever happen unless we Christians cultivate a healthy prayer life. You see, you are today what you've done in the past. You know, your financial situation is based on the decisions you've made in the last weeks, months, and years. Your spiritual condition and geography today are a result of what you've been doing in the past. You see how it works? We're always sowing and reaping. And so the future generation, the one that I'm so concerned about regarding my children, where they as Christians will live in a hostile environment, what am I doing now for them? And I just know that we got to pray because that was the way that God said he would change things. The Lord said in John 16, 24, to his disciples, he says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. That's your joy, not your happiness, not your bank account. That's your joy may be full. You see, that's what God wants to do. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful work. And as we begin to ask, and as we begin to pray in Jesus' name, and that's not like a formula, a tag at the end of a prayer. What it is is in Jesus' nature. This is his interest. This is something that he would be interested in. When we pray in Jesus' name, then it's so cool because God, God says, I will answer you. And that's where we need to be. I got to be honest with you. I uh you know, I'm not a I'm not a Medici, you know. I'm not like a nosy person. I, I, I don't like nosy people, no offense, man. But you know, um I would like to take a survey to find out how you guys are doing as a congregation. You know, I wonder like how many people take quality quantity time to pray before they rush into their day. You know, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, Manny, I work early. Uh, dude, I've been there. I used to work at 3 o'clock in the morning. So you can't use that as an excuse. I work at 2. Well, maybe. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> How many of, of us pray quality, quantity time before you rush into your day? I wonder how many pray morning, noon, and night like Daniel did. I really am seriously wondering how many husbands are praying diligently with their wives. I'm really interested in how many families pray together so that they can stay together. And if so, how many times a week? I wonder how many people are having those heart-to-heart talks with God, where it's not superficial, where it's real, where you know it's real, where you know you're connecting with your Creator. I wonder how those things are going in the congregation. I wonder how many here in the congregation, the Christians, are confessing their sins. They're confessing their sins to God. You know, to where they get on their knees, and really that's probably going to be you know, where most of the revelation takes place, although I would say this to you, when you blow it, do you ever blow it? When you blow it, write down your sin. Okay? So you won't forget. Because a lot of times we forget. Oh, here's my sin. This is what I did. And what do you do? You repent of that sin. You replace it with this antithesis that you see in the Bible. But when you're praying, also you ask God to show you your sin. Lord, search my heart. Show me if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the paths of righteousness. And then when you're there, you confess in your sins. I wonder how much time or even if you ever do confess your sins. You don't have to go to a priest anymore, thank God. But you do got to go to God. And you got to confess those sins, right? I, I wonder how many people are praying for their family, you know, I mean, just, you know, one day 
I know when I stand before God and I give an account of how I raised my children and how I, you know, wanted them to serve the Lord or how, what type of a husband I was, I know that a large part of that day will be the life that I lived and whether or not I was a, an example to them. And I lived the word and was obedient before them in their presence. But I also know this, that a large part of that day, when I give an account to God, will be, you know, how did I pray for them? You know, and we're going to go through our studies today and we're going to see that you could make mention of people because Paul four times said, I make mention of you, I make mention of you, I make mention of you. Lord, bless the Philippian church. Lord, bless Lydia. Lord, bless the Colossians, whatever, because there's a lot of people that this guy was responsible for. But you can't just make mention of your family to God. I mean, is that how you pray for them? Lord, bless my son. Lord, bless my wife. Lord, bless my daughter. Lord, give me. I mean, is that how you pray for your family? You just make mention of them? Because if that's the case, then, you know, I would have to say that you are falling so short to your infinite responsibility to pray for them. I mean, give them time. How long do you pray for your wife, for your kids? For the people that God, and I, and I know in my life, he says, these ones, they need extra time. Your board, your elders, your pastors, your overseers, you don't just make mention of them. You tell me about them, and you tell me about their spouse, and you tell me about their kids, and you tell me about their grandkids, and you tell me about their physical needs, and you tell me about their responsibilities and the opposition that they're experiencing. You don't just make mention of them. But, you know, I think that sometimes we're just like, we're like shooting from the hip. We're hit and miss. We don't even know who God wants us to pray for, and we don't even know how he wants us to pray for them. Bless them. Dude, anybody can say, bless them. What does God want you to pray for them? What, what does God show you about the things that they're going through? I remember when, you know, the, the mom, she brought her two sons, James and John, to Jesus. And she said, Lord, can I ask you this? That one sits on your right hand and one sits on your left hand. And, uh, and you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't even know what you're asking. And I think that the Lord would probably say that to some of our prayers. You don't even know what you're asking. You haven't even taken the time to find out who you should pray for or how you should pray. You, you, you don't even know their real needs and their real calling and their real aspirations. And that's why it's important you know, to take these things seriously, because this is not going to come overnight. You know, your five-minute prayer life, it's going to take time. But it's going to be worth it. You know, prayer is a huge topic. And, and part of the reason that I'm sharing it today is, number one, I pray God will bless you in your prayer life. Uh, not just, you know, getting things, but... You know, spending time with Him. You know, the, the blessing it is, not a burden. This is not a legalistic thing. Right? I'll be honest with you, another part is just because it's been heavy on my heart. God has just been dealing with me over the years. Over the years of just, and it's been this whole, you know, journey to come to that place where, you know, you, you just know how to pray responsibly as a man of God. You know, I'm getting ready to teach a class over at the Bible College. It's going to be 15 weeks on how to cultivate a healthy prayer life. I'm so excited about that. But I know, you know, here we are. We got, you know, a week or maybe a little more. We'll talk about it tonight. But... You know, it's such a huge topic. So many qualities in a quality prayer life. You know, the content of your prayers. You know, I, I think a lot of times people are talking to men, and they're not talking to God. 
And it's also good to, to really know your Bible when you pray. There's a lot of things, hindrances to prayer, public prayers. One of the things I want to share with you just real quick, your public prayers are not supposed to be that long. Usually, don't want to put God in a box. Sometimes it'll go a little longer. But sometimes when I'm praying for my food, like an hour later, my wife will say, my hot dog's cold now. <laughs> now usually those public prayers are a little shorter, but your private prayers, oh, they should be longer. And praying for my leaders, I have leaders that I pray for every single day. Praying for those that I aspire to lead. Praying, of course, for my family, the ministry, Praying for my allies, and how about praying for your enemies, right? We're supposed to pray for them. That's what Jesus said. What does a healthy prayer life look like? Well, what I want to do today is I want to share with you um, some passages on the life of our Lord and how, you know, it was so cool that one thing they asked him to teach them was how to pray. Now, if I was there, if you were there, and I was talking to the Lord, and I was just like, I'd be, Lord, Lord, teach me how to make fish tacos the way you do, man. That's what I would ask him, right? Or, Lord, teach me how to walk on water. Um, you know, teach me how to teach, please, God. But they didn't ask him that. What did they say? They said, teach us how to teach. You know, tonight, I want to invite you guys back if, you're able to make it if you're honestly interested in having victory in the area of prayer in your life. Um, as we get together at 6 o'clock, it's going to be like a prayer lab, a practical follow-up, and talk about these things and making it real personal and getting accountable with God and maybe even others so that you can follow through on the convictions that He gives to you. But, but what I want to do now, we don't have a lot of time is I just want to give you seven points on the prayer life of Christ. And I just want to touch on them. And I hope that you don't need a lot of convincing of the fact that we are supposed to be like Jesus. Right? I mean, isn't that what the scripture says? 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says we're supposed to mimic Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says we are to follow his steps. He is our example. And so we are called to be like Christ. And of course we know the key to his life, the disciples knew it as well, was his prayer life. And that's what we see. And I want to just encourage you guys to take encouragement from him. Beginning over in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, notice what it says here in verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was, notice, alone there. And so, you know, first thing, number one, is Jesus prayed privately. Jesus had, you know, a private prayer life, privately. He, he was, this was so important to him that he did something that I, I, I would struggle to do, but I suppose if God commanded me to do it, I would, I would have to. You know, if you were over my house and it was time for me to pray, I would have to say, leave. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I love you, but I love God more. Go away. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He said, okay, you guys go over there and you cross the, you know, the, the lake and you guys get over there. And, you know, and that's something that would be very foreign to us, but that's what Jesus did for the whole aspiration to be alone with God. You know, and I've told you guys this before, but I'll tell you again. If you take your phone with you and you don't put on airplane mode or whatever, you're probably not alone. How many times have you prayed and someone text messaged you? The next time that happens, know that that person is influenced by the devil. I want you to know that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, or you prayed and they called you. Or you prayed. Not, not only that, you can, and sometimes we're like this because we are such a phony people, right? We're, we're like, oh, I got to, you know, check that app. I got to check that Facebook. 
I gotta do whatever it is, you know. And I'm not saying you can't take your phone with you because I do use my phone for uh, a prayer app that I have. So I don't want to, you know, say something that's that's not consistent. But it's 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 got to be you and the Lord alone, you know. And so that might mean, you know, what we see. Look, it says in Luke chapter six, verse twelve. It says it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray. In John chapter 6, verse 15, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. If you go back to Matthew 6, since we're here in the Gospel of Matthew, notice in verse 6, it says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who... Sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, for some of you here, it's easier to find a, a secret place, a closet, you know, where you can be alone with God. And for others, it might be more of a challenge. You know, some people tell me that they pray while they're driving, and that's okay as a supplemental source for your prayer life, but it can't be that undivided attention to Almighty God. It's not the same. It's not. I mean, it didn't should be. Aren't you paying attention to your driving? It's beautiful. I've, I've prayed while I'm driving, and the traffic just kind of goes away. I've noticed that. And I've also prayed, and this is kind of cool. Have you ever been on the phone and you're on hold? I, I encourage you, start praying, because you go through right away. <laughs> just because the devil doesn't want you to pray. But that is not the same as just you and God in your closet. Just you and him all alone. And if Jesus needed to do it, I would venture to say that you do too. Number one, Jesus prayed privately. Number two, Jesus prayed corporately. Um, we read something interesting in Luke chapter 9, in verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these things that he took Peter, John, and James and he went up on the mountain to pray. And, you know, we also know later in Luke 22, Jesus took these guys, and they were supposed to pray with him. Now, we're not really sure on the dynamics of it, um, but we do know that when it was time to pray, that he had somebody praying with him. And, and we know that, that they heard him pray because they asked him to teach them to pray. We know that later on, the book of Acts was born, the church was born in a prayer meeting, right? In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. They continued there, boom, praying together. We know later in Acts 4, verse 24 through 31, that the church raised their voice to God with one accord. Jesus, he set the standard to pray personally, and to pray corporately. And I would say, pray with your spouse if you're married. Pray with your family. Pray with your friends if you're single. Maybe come to a church prayer meeting. Learn to pray corporately, right? We need that. Number three, Jesus prayed personally. If you go over to John chapter 17, what I mean by that is Jesus actually prayed for himself. In John 17, 1, it says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify who? Your son. That's him. That your son also may glorify you. And of course, we can't say that because we're not God. <laughs> he is, but he's praying for himself, Right? As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and who? Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given to me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. What's Jesus praying? Jesus is praying now, Lord, Father, as I go to the cross, do the work in my life. Do the work through my life. Because in doing so, 
will be glorified. But he's praying for himself. You know, and, and I know that, you know, we're, when we look at this chapter, it's only five verses out of the 26 verses. And so I'm not saying that you're going to spend most of the time praying for yourself, but I would pray, say that you should pray some of the time praying for yourself. Praying that God would work in you, that God would work through you. Praying that God would weed out the wickedness. Who else knows about those fantasies, the sins, the wickedness, the way that your mind is, 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 is ticking, thinking, the way that your heart is, but you and God, maybe your wife. But see, you, you pray for yourself. Jesus did that. We see that here. See, we need to pray like Jesus prayed, who prayed privately, number one. He prayed corporately, number two. He prayed personally, number three, praying for himself. And then number four, he prayed vicariously. In other words, he prayed for others. Look at Matthew chapter 19. And then, again, we just saw John 17, 6 through 26. It's all about Jesus praying for his disciples and praying for us even one day who would believe in him through their word. We know over in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 7, verse 25, the Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. So he's praying for others, right? Even on the cross in Luke 23, 34, what did Jesus pray? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. So the Lord was constantly praying for others. And the way that I visualize it is like this right here. In Matthew 19, look at verse 13. It says, Then little children were brought to him, that he might put his hands on them and pray. So here we see Jesus praying for the children. But I, I want to share this verse with you. And this is part of the reason. Because when I'm there in my garage when I'm there on my knees, when I'm there in my office praying to God, I think of that person. And I think of them and what they're going through and whatever it is, they might have cancer or they might be struggling in their marriage or whatever the case may be. And I, I can literally, I mean, I don't know if literally, but I can see just, Lord, maybe I'm a sibling, maybe I'm a friend, maybe, you know, some type of whatever, servant, leader, but just bringing them to Jesus and saying, Lord, will you touch them? Touch them, Lord, because I know, you know, that's, that's, what, they, that's what they, you're who they need. And, and that's what praying for others is. We got to be doing that. I already mentioned to you that you should know who you're responsible to pray for. You know, Samuel, um, you know, he said, far be it from me that I wouldn't pray for you. He said, if I don't pray for you, Saul, it's sin. There are certain people we should be praying for, right? Jesus prayed privately, he prayed corporately, he prayed personally, he prayed vicariously. Number five, Jesus prayed passionately. Look over at Luke chapter 22. In verse 44, and I know you're familiar with this passage, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I guess what I'm saying, you guys, is, is well, be careful that your prayer life is not a cold, calloused, flippant, indifferent, superficial time with God. And then, you, you know, you, you walk away, and in all reality, you never really connected with your Creator. As a matter of fact, what I want to encourage you to do is to stay there until you're, you're earnest. I mean, you can go and you can do all your other things, and I don't know what all your other things are, but I would tell you this, that none of those things even begin to compare with the importance of you getting your prayer life right with God. 
And so you got to pray earnestly. And here Jesus prayed even more earnestly to the point where he experienced the medical condition. It's called hematidrosis. Hematidrosis. And that was where the blood was coming out through the sweat capillaries. If you read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it also gives us insight into the way that his prayers were the vehement cries of Christ. He didn't just pray, you know, casually. To him, it was important. It was earnest. We read, read that in James. It's the, it's the fervent prayers. Those effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man that avail much. If you think that these passing, gum-chewing, not caring prayers are going to make a difference, then you're deceived. you got to pray. And we have to pray passionately. And one person said, some people's prayers need to be cut short at both ends and set on fire in the middle. Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. C.H. Spurgeon said, prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell above rings in the ears of God. He said, some people scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps that rope with both hands and pulls continuously with all his might. You know, and, and I don't know what's going to happen in your marriage. I don't know what's going to happen with your kids. I don't know what's going to happen in the ministry. I don't know what's going to happen in your life. But the last thing you want is for the end of your life to come and you to look back and to realize that you have not prayed with passion because unless you pray with passion how can you ever expect to begin to think that you'll have victory that your children will have victory that the ministry will have victory I mean these are very serious things Jesus also prayed number six extensively extensively Mark chapter 1 Notice what it says in verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now I've talked to people about this, and, I, and I, you know, they'll tell me, Manny, it's not the quantity of prayer, it's the quality of prayer. And it's true. If I had to choose between the two, I would say yes, Quality is more important than quantity. But if you want to be a healthy Christian, you got to have both. It must be quality, quantity, prayer. Like Jesus, who woke up before the sun. He'd go out into the wee hours of the morning and he'd pray. Because as soon as the day began, people were looking for him. And I don't know if that's the way it is for you. I know that's the way it is for me. I got to wake up before my wife wakes up. Because once she wakes up, I'm hers, you know. <laughs> I've told her a few times, I say, it's not, how, not now, sweetheart, I'm praying, right? And, you know, she'll respect that. But I feel convicted when I get back to God. And God always tells me the same thing. You should have woke up earlier, son. Jesus did. They came looking for him. Hey, everybody's looking for you. He says, well, I just found out from the Father that we got to go to the next city. People are making decisions left and right without having heard from God. I know that because I see that they're doing things that God would never tell them to do. How can you make decisions without checking in with God? It's got to be quantity prayers. Uh, we know later on in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, that Jesus prayed all night. All night. You know, and, you know, I know some people, they look at that and they think, well, that was Jesus. That's my point. That was him. I mean, if he needed to do it, don't you think you do? I don't know how long God wants you to pray, but... Less than 10 minutes a day? Sorry, Lord, I woke up late. 
Yeah, you shouldn't have so many burritos before you went to bed, man. I don't know. I think we need to pray long. Number one, Jesus prayed privately. Two, Jesus prayed corporately. Three, Jesus prayed personally for himself. Four, Jesus prayed vicariously for others. Five, Jesus prayed passionately, earnestly. Number six, Jesus prayed extensively, long periods of time. And then number seven, Jesus prayed yieldedly. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, you guys know, what did Jesus say? Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. Right? And it's okay, you can ask God for things, but you really have to have it in your heart to say, but Father, I know you know best. And we were praying for a building, we were praying for that building, praying for that building, knocking on doors, submitting paperwork, praying, 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 praying. You guys are praying. I know you were, but we were always tagging the prayers with, but Lord, your will be done. And God had different plans, and I praise him for that. We don't come to God and say, hey, you know, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Lord, you know, this is what I want. Give it to me. No, it's not like that. We pray, but we also know God has higher ways. And so I know a lot of you can't make it tonight, but let me share with you a few things in closing. Um, number one, I, would, I want to encourage you to ask God for his will, his plan for your prayer life, not mine. But don't just forget about it. Ask God for His will for your prayer life. Number two, I want to encourage you to write down that plan. Put it in writing. Make it a reality. Make it a formality. Writing reminds you so that God might find you obeying in your praying. You know, I think it's interesting. And some people, they can remember everything. They have a, 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 you know, a good memory. I know I don't, but I know that uh, the Bible says that our names are inscribed on his hands. The Bible says in the book of Exodus that the names of God's children are on his shoulders. The Bible says in the book of Exodus 28 that the names of God's children are on his heart. They're there. And there are jewels on the breastplate, but they're reminders of his people. So... Write things down. Who are you supposed to pray for? What are you to pray for them? And how long? <laughs> what else do you pray for? What city? What leader? What country? And then for, at the end, the third thing, is, is that if you, if you find in time that you're not really following through on these things, then reevaluate, maybe modify your plan according to God's will. Make adjustments. Once you're convinced of God's perfect will for your prayer life, then make yourself accountable to someone if you're not following through. You know, and I pray that we could be that type of congregation. We could have friends, and I can tell my friend, hey, I really believe that God wants me to pray for 45 minutes in the morning for my family, just my family. 45 minutes and, and during the day for the ministry. And I have been doing that, but I want to. So I'm going to make myself accountable to you. Will you check on me? Will you pray for me? Will you help me? See, we need that. Because otherwise, it's just one of those things that gets buried and forgotten, and then you die, and you lose. We need that accountability oftentimes. And then eventually, yeah, the training wheels go away. And not only do you roll along, I believe you start flying when you cultivate a healthy prayer life. Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask, right? James chapter 4, verse 2. In closing, I just want to share this with you. That little boy, he did eventually come up to me and he asked me for a minion. And so guess what? I brought him one. And I can't wait to give it to him. I don't have a lot of minions, but I do have one. I'm limited, 
and my resources. Do you want to know something? God's not limited. So my encouragement to you is to really take this seriously. Um, does your prayer life need a tune-up? Does it need an overhaul? <laughs> if it does, don't just walk away and say, I need a tune-up. <laughs> I need an overhaul. No, we walk away and we get on our knees and we follow through with the things God shows us. See, as Christians, the, tail, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom so that we can talk to God. If you're not a Christian, then you don't have that privilege. What you need to do is you need to give your life to Christ. I believe that's why you're here today, because He loves you. He wants to break the chains. He wants to mend your marriage. He wants to bless your life with the things that are spiritual. But you have to make a decision. And here it is. Will you choose to follow Jesus? Will you choose to turn from your sins, repent, and receive Christ as Lord and Savior? Because he died for you on the cross. They put him in the grave and he rose again. But there has to be a moment in time where you chose Jesus. I pray that today, right now, would be that moment. Father, we thank you for allowing us to study your word together, and uh, I pray for, Lord, you to do a work in our prayer life. I thank you for everyone here, Lord, and just the, the concept, Lord, it just blows my mind of your unchanging love and how, Lord, you would want to talk to us that you would want to hear our words, our cries. You would want us to talk to you. Help us, Lord, not to neglect this wonderful privilege. And Lord, I pray if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, as we partake of communion tonight, today, Lord, I pray that if they need to receive you, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would work that wonderful, wonderful work of salvation in their life. Thank you, Lord. Bless this time. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.